the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. There's a new scam going around. And it would terrify you if it hits you. So let me tell you what it is. It's kind of an email scam, but there's also a letter-written version of it. And they quote one of your old passwords. Knowing that you're going to be very naive and go, did I change my password? Did I change my password? Because it won't say which password it is. It won't say which account it's tied to. It just says that here's the password. You use the password Freedom Fries one two three. Attacker probably took your password from a publicly available database of old leaked passwords and email addresses. So relax. The emails are all slightly different, or even the mailed versions. Subject line has that password. Sender says they have used that password to hack your computer, install malware, and record video of you through your webcam. Sometimes it says that, sometimes it doesn't. They're typically looking for about $1,200 to $1,600. They mention things like don't go to the police, um... You know, Bitcoin's the best way to do this. <clears throat> and just be cautious because it's a scammy email. And, you know, certainly I think everyone should have a password manager, like one password. And it could have been databases that have been stolen from LinkedIn, Yahoo, eBay. It's a long time coming, right? So change your passwords on a regular basis. It's a scam. They know nothing about you. They don't have video of you. They're not accessing your webcam. But I can imagine it being pretty startling for some people to see their actual password on a piece of paper or screen. So get your stuff together, people. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls in the air. There was an interesting <clears throat> flag. Is that how I'm going to call this today? There was an interesting flag recently. Southern California home sales crashed. Now, one of the worst things you could do, in my opinion, is get real estate advice from a realtor. Because they're going to say things along the lines of, oh, it'll always come back. I've, I've heard it so many times. And things don't always come back. And you should have a caveat that says things don't always come back, but probably likely if there's jobs around here, they'll come back. But you, you don't hear that. And you don't hear about you know taking into account different states and... Uh, but anyway, that's that's totally different. But sales of both new and existing homes and condos dropped 11.8% year over year. Now, this is Southern California. Now, I, we all live in different places, right? Location, location, location. The median price of a home in Southern California is more expensive than the median price of a home in Iowa. 536250 bucks, And that's the price paid up 7% year over year. California is one of the leading housing markets in the nation, and it's been a predicator, predictor, for the rest of the country. So sales fell 1.1% in 
compared with May, but the average change from May to June, going back to 1988, is a 6% gain. Sales of both new and existing homes and condos dropped 11.8% year over year. Now, Southern California, you're like, Southern California is big. Tell me where we're talking about. L.A., Riverside, San Diego, Ventura, San Bernardino, and Orange Counties. Now, you can start getting into some of the semantics, like there was one less business day and such, but an 11% drop is an 11% drop. It's not the worst thing. Sometimes it's a pause that refreshes. The median price for all Southern California homes, $536,000. Now, sales below $500,000 dropped 21%. On a year-over-year basis. While deals of $500,000 or more fell about 3%. Home sales of a million dollars or more last month rose just a tad less than 1%. So you can't say that one category's doing really, really well, because it's not. The rise in mortgage rates over the past six months has increased significantly your monthly payment. Home prices have been rising everywhere. Critical shortage prices usually lag sales by several months. So the number of homes, the supply, supply and demand, supply and demand, the supply of homes for sale increased annually in June for the first time in three years. So a little bit of inventory, someone will buy your house. If there's a ton of inventory, someone will come in your house and say, I want a discount. So that's out there. One of the stories that kind of doesn't have me weepy today, but kind of, the head of Chrysler and Fiat dies at age 66. Sergio Marchione, he engineered a merger of the auto industry's weakest companies, Fiat and Chrysler, and turned the combination into a cash-generated machine, dead at age 66. He was pretty charismatic. If you ever get a chance to really study and hang out in Wall Street and kind of get the culture, CEOs can make or break a company, and he was one of the ones that made a company. Now, I got kind of sad and weepy when... He kind of died unexpectedly, and they took him out of power very, very fast. So his health took a turn for the worst. He had complications after undergoing a surgical procedure on his right shoulder. So 66 feels early to me, right? And then you look at him, and you go, wait, wait, wait. Complications from surgery on a shoulder? Oh. I wonder if he, ha- I wonder if he can go back in time if he'd still have that surgery. Are we doing too many surgeries? Like, a lot of questions start coming up. So he was on his way out, and it was well communicated that he was on his way out in 2020. Um, He was a star in the auto industry, and his death marks the end of an era in Detroit, where he was one of the larger-than-life CEOs. He relished the auto industry orthodoxy. He was ahead of rivals in some key automotive trends. You know, all very, very important stuff for us to stop and digest. And again, once I'm saddened. That a shoulder, complications from a shoulder surgery are being tied to it. I would much rather die from a car crash. I'd much rather die from a drug overdose. I would much rather die from, like, <sighs> you're elected, like, a surgery? Like, you didn't even do it to yourself there, right? It's just your body didn't make it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe it was a bad cut. Maybe it was a bad reaction to a drug. I don't know. But I just saw that, and I go, ooh, complications. Like, I don't know. That's not good. There's no bueno. No bueno. So 800-516-1220 to get calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Um, for the $522 million mega millions jackpot winner, um, you're going to have a big tax bill. Keep it a secret. 
for a little while. Uh, you get a lump sum of $303 million or yearly payments of $17 million over 30 years. You're going to be fine either way. But get a lump sum if, you're, if you've got some cojones and you can figure out you know, how to allocate such. But strongly, strongly protect your ticket. Keep quiet. Take a deep breath. Get an attorney. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, more. Talking a little stock talk. Lots going on, right? If you have any questions, you can call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We can talk about Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Alphabet, anything you want to talk about. Alphabet's the company that is formerly known as Google, right? One of the things they did a couple of years ago was try to like show you their business, they, they kind of decided, okay, let's change the name from Google to Alphabet so we could show you Google's search results. We could also show you some of the other projects we're working on and are they making money or not? So you could fairly analyze if you want to own the company or not. So shares still look pretty cheap, all things considered, when you look at Google, in large part because things are going well. But you're like, uh, how about that $5 billion fine? Exactly. You can find $5 billion because you're a big company that is able to call your shots. And sometimes you mess up and you, you do it incorrectly. So the company still has significant stock-based compensation expenses. So when they pay an employee $100,000 a year, but they give them $100,000 a stock, the person that hurts that $100,000 stock is not the guy who's getting it because that's part of his income package. The person who gets hurt is the shareholder if they're issuing new shares. So the company has a significant stock-based compensation expense. And if you take a look at it, you might be angry. Or you might go, that's capitalism. Good for them. I don't know where you fall. But it costs about $9 billion a year. Or about $100,000 each for the company's 89,000 employees. So you do the math on all that, and that takes about $10 a share a year to be able to pull that off. So the company has to go from 1,000 to 1,010, 1,200 to 1,000 to 1,010. That's just going to change. A lot of tech companies encourage investors to strip out that very real expense. But Alphabet, a.k.a. Google, doesn't. They also remind you when they do their earnings that they've got some other bets. We're not going to be a search engine all our life. Waymo, which is the leading developer of autonomous driving technology, they are going to try to show us how they're going to make money on that pretty soon. They also have $98 billion of cash. It's not Apple levels, but it's still pretty good. There's still a huge premium right now on the valuation of the company compared to the S&P 500, but not so much compared to their growth. And one of the things I can teach you about talking stock is it's learning how to compare a company. There's something called Value Line. Get off your butt, go to a library, take a look. I wouldn't subscribe to the service per se because it's expensive. But learn how to like 
take a look at a company's you know uh, data sheets, whether they're the financial statements, whether the profit and loss. Alphabet sales are expected to hit about 137 billion this year. Wow, that's pretty impressive. <clears throat> There's very few companies besides Amazon with over 100 billion in annual revenues that are growing so rapidly. So I own shares of Apple and I own shares of Alphabet. And if I were a betting man, I'd say Alphabet's, Alphabet's got a little bit better short-term options and valuations, more upside. Uh, Apple's pretty consistent, though, on a different level. And then you get into like other companies like Facebook, who they're just so dominant with the amount of eyeballs that see their sites every day. And you're like, well, how do you compare Facebook to CBS or ABC, NBC, like... Yeah, there's some ad revenue comparisons. There's the cost of leads, and you could you could figure out some of this. Trust me, but it's it's tough to say. You know, someone who gets digital so well versus someone who is so set and fixed with the big box in the corner of your house. It's, it's tough to compare those companies in this day and age. Alphabet's got a stock buyback program about two billion per quarter. It remains modest relative to its earnings power. That roughly offsets what I was talking about with the stock issued to employees. They're not really upping their share count aggressively because they are doing the buyback, but they're also not lowering their share count aggressively with all the billions of dollars that they're pumping back in to the company. So a lot of ways to look at companies, right? I bet you probably hadn't thought, how much does Google pay their employees in stocks? And should I be worried about it? When I tell you it comes out to... $100,000 each for their, roughly $100,000 each for their 89,000 employees. Do you get mad? Like, do you wish your company had the ability to issue shares and give them to you? You might be working for a company that does. And all your company has to do is convince the public, like, we're, we're going to be around for a while. Do you mind if we increase the share count? And that's something that uh, Elon Musk and Tesla has been doing for quite a while. And at some point in time, you go, this is not good. This is no good. No bueno. So that's out there. So Alphabet, I think, still has a good 20% pretty consistently. I think it's going to be a market outperformer um, because they're dynamic, too. And you could say, well, why don't we just say it's going to go up 20% and call it a day and move on? Because I'll be interested to see what they come up with between now and then. Facebook also in the news a lot right now, as is Apple. Remember 2017, Apple comes out with this augmented reality thing that's going to change the world. It wasn't quite that. But doesn't mean that, you know, phase one wasn't a massive success. Means it won't ever be a success, but it's like 3D TVs. Do you remember 3D TVs? And then there's a big thing where TVs were all getting curved and stuff. And I don't know my electronics well enough to talk I'll, I'll shut up but a lot of misses a lot of misses in there in the world of trying to sell you stuff that you don't quite need so apple doesn't report um, this week they report soon but it's never too early to start thinking about them and start setting up a spreadsheet where you're looking for services and you start looking for uh, breakouts of the services like the music a lot of talk about there Phones that they're going to be issuing this year. How big will they be? When do they hit mass production? Will there be production flaws and snags? 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Do a little stock talk. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Waymo struck a deal in Walmart. This is a pretty fascinating one. Um, Waymo, self-driving car. And obviously Walmart, Walmart, big retail company, lots of parking spaces. A lot of holiday stories about America shopping and getting toys and pushing people over. Now, Waymo is the division of Google who does the self-driving autonomous cars, right? They've got something going on. Walmart, AutoNation, Avis, Waymo is talking with all of them. And Waymo is saying, we'll do some autonomous vehicles to pick up customers and drive them to various locations in the Phoenix area, which they're doing the trials right now. In some cases, customers will be offered savings or deals in order to be shuttled around in Waymo vehicles. And... uh I kind of like the idea, you know, for Walmart, customers will be offered savings to place orders for groceries on walmart.com. As the orders are processed, a Waymo vehicle will come pick you up at your home, come bring you to the store, get you your groceries, put you back in the car and take you home. In AutoNation, the idea is customers are having vehicles serviced at AutoNation, at the dealership. They're going to be offered rides in Waymo rather than a loaner car. Loaner car you have all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Well, not, that's not all on our car, but you get the idea. AutoNation could break that up. Avis Waymo vehicles will drop off and pick up rental car customers at two locations in Phoenix suburb of Chandler. There's a company called Element Hotel, which select guests of the hotel in Chandler will have access to Waymo vehicles to use on local trips. So the self-driving car thing is coming along. We're late 2018, mid to late Innings of 2018. A couple more years, we're going to be there. Let's go to a phone call. Let's see, we have someone in Berkeley. Toby in Berkeley. Toby. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm okay at best. What's up? Uh, big listener of the show, big fan, first time calling. Thanks so much. I have a question um, about yes. retirement. Uh, I always hear this magic number, you know, you should be able to withdraw 4% of your retirement savings, you know, each year. Um, But my question is, I think one should be able to get, on average, more than 4%, um, you know, in various investments. So wouldn't your money last forever if you're only withdrawing 4% a year? Or is that just inflation that people say that? Yeah, there's a couple thoughts here, and and thanks for the call. I'll ramble on for a couple minutes. Um, The 4% rule is the rule of thumb, which uh, that's always going to get you in trouble. Um, and it's rule of thumb, so you try not to run out of money. And the goal is, is when you're 80 or 90, you're not going to be able to go back to work, so you don't want to run out of money from what you've collected up to age 60 or so. The 4% rule is a rule of thumb. It seeks to give you steady income consistently. A lot of experts consider the 4% withdrawal rate safe as withdrawals basically consists primarily of interest and dividends. So if you can get 2 to 4% in a dividend yield and you're pulling that 4 or you're getting close to that 4%, you're not you know, breaking down a lot of the equity in your portfolio. 
life expectancy plays a big role in whether the 4% rule is going to work out for you over time or not. But a lot of historical modeling says that you should be okay. A lot of people in the 1990s, there was a kind of a school of thought that maybe 5% is a safe amount for retirees to withdraw each year. And then you're going to get into situations where we've had above average historical returns from 2002 to 2018. Or How about our last nine years? We've been in a nine-year bull market. We're going to go through times where it, it underperforms, and that's normal and that's okay. I don't think you can expect to get 10% each year, every year, for the rest of your life. A lot is going to play out with how socialist does the country become. How capitalist do we remain? Where's the common ground in between? And when I say socialist, let's just say our, our students have $1.5 trillion in debt. At what point in time do we go, we need to wipe that out? We need to help these guys because they need to go find spouses and make babies and contribute to the economy. Um, so I'm not like, ooh, socialist is bad. I'm just saying it's out there. Uh, we've got a debt problem in the United States on a consumer level, on a mortgage level, on a credit card level, on a government level. So, Toby, if I'm going to like almost depress you, I'm going to say, let's, let's think there's going to be some tougher times. And as you get to age 50, 55, I think that's really an important time for you to start coming up with an income plan in retirement. And it's one of the things CFP Chad Burton does so darn well. You want to avoid the 4% rule. It might not work for you um, if you have a portfolio that features high-risk investments. And that may be kind of where you're leaning of like, as long as I own Google and you said it's going to get 19% a year for the next foreseeable years, why do I need, because Google also could crash. Go take a look at Yahoo. Go take a look at Excite.com. Take a look at some of the companies in the 1990s that were the first round of the internet greatness. And then just Google, you know, company, uh, internet companies that have died or gone away. There's plenty of them. I've got a friend on Facebook and I almost laugh at his resume. He has his resume on Facebook. So it was like CEO, co-founder of blah, blah, blah. And I thought he's Italian, so it's too easy to give away uh, his name and everything. But there's like 19 companies he's worked for. And I'm like, that's, that's starting to lose. So the 4% rule, when you tie it towards withdrawal rates, and it basically lets you, like you mentioned, increase the rate of, you're basically fighting inflation. Inflation, 2 to 4% a year. And you're going to try to draw 2 to 4% a year. So when you start saying that, you're about 6 to 7%. And you could probably historically get 7 to 8% in the stock market pretty easily. But then again, there's also these years where 2000, I remember in March, whew, that was a tough time. Because it didn't stop falling until 2002. And it, it felt literally like doing the show was, was painful. I would come on and go, markets are lower again today. Don't worry about it. Let's start taking a look at what you should do with your portfolio and then come back in the next day. Uh, it's another down day. But that was after the greatest run ever in the 1990s. So, Toby, if you're going to say, like, oh, I'm going to start in this year, I'm going to say, well, you got to give it, you got to spread that risk out over some time. And that's why a lot of people say have three years of cash on hand so that you don't have to go through that 2000 to 2002 period or that 2008 period where we just had crummy returns. And uh, that led to a nine-year bull market. So do I think the stock market always goes up? I don't know. It, 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 a lot of that's going to depend on like laws and regulations. Under a Trump administration, hell yeah, I think the market's going to move up because he's trying to deregulate everything. He's trying to make it easy for companies to make money. 
And he doesn't have to have Congress agree with him. He can do executive orders. Now, again, after nine years, are we due for a down year? Yeah. And you, you, you just said Trump is rolling back regulations, and that's good. And you know, the tax cuts are good short term, but they're horrible long term. So I don't have a great answer for you, Toby. I think my answer is that I don't have an answer. It's not quite right, but it's, it's in the right vein. Tap in the vein. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I found this kind of interesting. Uh, Walgreens CEO is buying stock. And again, this is a stock market. Oh, boy. You can get all sorts of stuff, right? But Walgreens CEO, Stefano Pacino, doesn't need to leave work to see his longtime partner, co-chief operating officer, Ornella Barra. Two self-described life partners have recently even traded stock with each other. They're buying each other's stock. Well, so that's going on. The two executives, both Italian-born citizens of Monaco, met three decades ago. A CEO love story. You don't find that very often in the news. Um, so Amazon's out there, and Walgreens is frightened. I personally, I'm not going to say Walgreens, CVS, and all of them are the same exact store, but they kind of blend in together in my head. Some of them are nicer than others. Like, I don't like going to Rite Aids. Don't know why. It's just a problem that I have. But, um, again, in the world of investing, how many dollars do you have? How many ticket punches? Warren Buffett once described the concept of buying stocks as you should treat it as you only get 20 ticket punches for your life. And then you might be a little bit more careful about the companies you buy. You might say, you know what? I do kind of like Visa. I know there's that company, PayPal, or... You know, another uh, identity verification, loss prevention kind of play. But I think you get the idea. A couple quick thoughts that I kind of want to end the segment with is start saving earlier. Don't fret about the size of your nest egg or the 4% roll or the 7% roll. Get your nest egg bigger, 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 bigger. Then start having your ideas on how you're going to draw it down and whether or not you're going to cheat yourself. But also know that inflation is going to get worse some years better than others. Accidents are going to be higher some years than others. Cost of things that you like are going to inflate. Twenty nine ninety nine for market stake per pound. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Stocks to hold forever. Do you believe in that statement? I, I think it's a silly statement, but it's also a great idea. Google is one of those stocks I think you can hold for a long time. They got Chrome, they got Gmail, they got Google Maps, they got YouTube. They got a billion active users per month each. That's a lot. Do I honestly think you can hold it forever? I don't know. Ad sales up 23% year over year. Make up such a large part of the company's sales. Amazon, do I think you can own it forever? I'm in the camp that's going to lean yes, but can something change in the years to come? For sure. Can it massively underperform while still as a stock, while still operating well as a company? Probably. Keep in mind, we're a fickle country, though. We do turn on trends and fads pretty fast but amazon's using their shares to get into new industries and it's pretty interesting to watch so 
Whole Foods. Um, a lot of people didn't see that one coming. So it goes back to what's in your wallet on a monthly basis. Uh, you don't look at Amazon Prime as a monthly basis because you typically pay for it a full year in advance, right? So you're probably looking at it as, well, already paid. It's $200 or $115 or $120. And it's $12 a month, blah, 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 $10 a month, $120 a year, blah, blah, blah. So because you one-time chunk it, you don't see it as a, a regular cost, even though it is. But I do like Amazon as a long-term patient investor idea that you can hold for a long time. There's a company called Ecolab. And what they do is they clean things up. I was shocked when I moved to California, the Bay Area, um, I guess 20 years ago, roughly, right? I was shocked that how many people basically hire other people to do their chores. I grew up in a world where you cleaned the kitchen <laughs> on a pretty regular basis, where you cleaned the bathrooms on a pretty regular basis. Maybe not every week, maybe before a date comes over. It's something like that, right? Here, everyone outsources that. Someone else mows your yard. Someone else cleans your kitchen. So cleaning up is going to be in business for a long time, right? Now, in this case of Ecolab, they don't have products that are made for home use. Hospitals, hotels, restaurants, schools, retailers use their cleaning fluids, their equipment and services to do laundry, wash dishes, mop floors. It's the biggest player in commercial cleaning. So they're the Google of commercial cleaning. They are the Amazon of the sanitation industry. Now, economic expansion... People are like, let's clean things. Economic slowdown, people are like, we don't need to clean it as often. So there is some exposure to the economy, for sure. But Ecolab looks pretty interesting as a long-term play. If you're trying to accumulate companies that you are proud to own, if you're trying to get bang for your buck and hit home runs, maybe it's it's more of a guy, like a Paul Molitor type, guy who gets a lot of singles, but... I don't even know if that's true or false, but I'm just trying to talk baseball. Acting all manly, you know. United Health Group. It's the biggest health insurer in the country with some 15 million people on its rolls. Um, and again, every month you pay your health insurance or you don't get it. They've got prescription drug services. They've got dental and vision care. They've got, you know, over the long term, if you believe that insurance companies... I'm not going to say are evil, but if you've seen a Julia Roberts movie or some sort of movie where the insurance company knew about it, they covered it up so they didn't have to pay massive claims. I kind of am one of those people that think insurance companies are going to make money in good economies and bad economies. So there's just so much money in the healthcare industry and politicians haven't figured out how to dismantle it um, without losing votes and without losing, you know, contributions, but it's a flawed system. So I, I do look forward to seeing companies like Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway move more into healthcare services because capitalism can create some efficiencies. And if we create some efficiencies, we save some money, big money. It's like the, the dumb statistic on cars. If we had self-driving cars, we'd save tons of money on fuel because a car knows how to accelerate and decelerate better than you do or a computer. One of my favorite stocks for the long term is Visa. The king of plastic. I could be talked in MasterCard. I could be talked into, you know, diversifying even further in the credit space in the fintech and going after a PayPal or something along those lines. So Visa, good long-term company, great employees, 
great um, CEO. Um, volume in overseas developed in merchant regions climbed seven to eight percent year over year. This is this is a company that's been around a long time, and you know, will the rise of Apple Pay or Venmo and others hurt them? So far, they've been working together. So I like Visa on dips. Some people like fish and dip. Some people like chips and dip. Some people like Tostitos and dip. Me. I like stock dips. So, um, so anyway, that's Visa. There you go. Stocks that you could possibly own for the long term. I'm not sure if you believe that, but it's a good place to start, right? Millennials are making one big key mistake. They tend to save in cash-like vehicles. One in three millennials say they prefer cash instruments for long-term investments. But you're not going to get a good return on that, and you're going to wish that you were in the stock market of the S&P 500 later. But that's okay. I, I think if you're a millennial, you're technically in your 20s-ish. And it's okay to see that you made some mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to study the stock market and real estate and gold and bonds and Bitcoin and cash. Uh, and you'll learn how it plays out for you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.